Our guest speaker today is actually the director for the GKIM conference that's coming up here in Seoul at the end of December. Uh, his name is Pastor Leo Ri. He's actually here today uh, with his lovely wife, Hegyung Samorim. Hegyung Samorim, could you stand for a moment? They're here together today. Uh, Pastor Leo, uh, you know, graduated from U of I, uh, went to Westminster for seminary. Um, in fact, eight years ago when I first touched down here in Korea, uh, the first Sunday service that I went to was at Onuri Sobingo, uh, and Pastor Leo was speaking that day. And so it's kind of a trip like that uh, uh, after he served at uh, OEM, he was there from 99 to 2006. Uh, the Lord uh, brought him back to Chicago, which is where he's originally from. And then uh, this past year, God brought both of them back here to Korea uh, to serve with the G. Kim Conference. And also, uh, just to really follow the leading of the Spirit for what God is doing here uh, in the peninsula of Korea. And so it is a, a special honor. He's, uh, he's done ministries in Philly, Baltimore, um, and somewhere else. And... Uh, when I was actually uh, in middle school, I remember Pastor Leo as well. And so uh, he's not that old, though. Don't worry. <laughs> it ain't that old. In fact, uh, he likes to train for triathlons. All right. And so uh, just him being up here, uh, you know what I mean? It should challenge you to get off your lazy butt and do something with your phys- <laughs> get your physical body in order. And uh, this man, he has uh, uh, several licenses, but one license he has. It's to carry them guns. Got... <laughs> Pastor Leo be working out. But uh, anyway, let's put our hands together for Pastor Leo Ree. Come on. Wow, I don't know how I should follow up with that. <laughs> Man, but I, I'm so, uh, yeah, I'm so thankful to be here. I'm so honored to uh, be here and, and to, uh, uh, Pastor, Pastor Christian, I, I, I didn't tell you this, but um, when I was praying about coming back to Korea after seven years of being back in the States, I had a dream. And I had dream, a dream specifically about Pastor Christian. And we were praying and we were thinking about what we should do. And, you know, I never had a, a smartphone before until I came to Korea. I know, you know, for all my seven years in the States, you know, I never had a smartphone. And so in my dream, I take out a smartphone and I look at it and I go, wow, whose smartphone is this? And I started looking around and the first person I looked for was Pastor Christian. I was like, where's Pastor Christian? I have to, I, I have a smartphone. And I took out another smartphone and here's another, oh, wow, here's another smartphone. I'm looking, whose smartphone is this? And I'm, it's constantly coming out, you know, like endless amount of smartphones. And I wake up the next morning, I, 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 my wife was in Korea back then, I was in the States, and we were going back and forth, and we were trying to decide what we should do in the next steps of our lives. And I go to my wife, I said, I think God's going to finally get me a smartphone. <laughs> and she goes, you idiot. <laughs> well, she didn't say you idiot, but she was thinking that, I'm sure. I prayed for years to, for God to give me wisdom. God, give me wisdom. God, give me wisdom. He gave me a wife instead. <laughs> so... <laughs> And my wife says to me, my wife says to me, God is, wants you to network with people. And there's specific people that you need to network with in Korea. And so as we were praying about the next steps, and God was telling us, uh, God opened the doors for Korea. 
And I want to talk about that just for a moment because, you know, Pastor Krishna gave me an hour. This is this, this unheard of, you know. <laughs> I go to most churches. I've, I've been speaking at a different church almost every week. And most people are like, oh, we have so much stuff going. Could you cut it to 20 minutes? And so I go, okay, I have a one-point message today. You know, I'm trying to get one-point message. And, and uh, yeah, and then Pastor Christian's like, oh, you, I usually preach an hour. And I'm like, man, <laughs> I got to make stuff up now, <laughs> you know. I don't even have the battery life for this, you know. <laughs> I need a plug, <laughs> plug in. But but it's it's amazing what what God is doing here in Korea, you know. And and um, and uh, boy, so much I want to share about what's going on in Korea right now because as I've been traveling around to different churches and seeing what God has been doing in different pockets of revival all across this nation. The hub of Christianity in the past 50 years or so has shifted from Europe to North America, and now everything is moving very powerfully in Korea, in in Asia, in Africa, and in South America in a very, very powerful way, especially in Asia. And somehow, somewhere along the way, God opened the door for Korea to become the gateway into all of Asia. You know, it's amazing. I don't know how God built this beautiful airport eight years in a row, you know, number one airport in the world. Finally, they stopped having this contest because they say Korea wins every time. So we, got just, we just got to forget it, you know, because we keep having this contest. Korea wins every time. God, you know, you talk to so many people and you ask, why are you going to Korea? Over and over they say, Korea is the gateway into Asia. You know, Korea has so much influence over Asia. I was watching K-pop the other day. I, I never watch K-pop, you know, but I was watching K-pop the other day, and my wife and I were just watching. Something was kind of weird, you know, and we were watching it, and, you know, they were doing their, you know, dancing and all this kind of stuff, and I was like, okay, but something was weird, and we looked, and this K-pop concert, about 20,000 young people in that auditorium, and the concert was being held in Istanbul, Turkey, and these Turkish young people were mouthing the songs word by word, and they knew every word of these songs. I don't even know these words. I don't even know what they mean. But they're mouthing, jumping up and down. It's going crazy. And I was thinking, boy, the influence that K-pop has, has, has for the world, the influence that Korea has for the world. And, you know, the Muslims know this, too. You know that? The Muslims know this, too. The Muslims understand that once they get Korea, they could evangelize the whole, the whole continent of Asia. You know, Muslims, I, I could talk hours and hours about what Muslims are doing here, but just to keep it short, we just need to pray uh, against, uh, we, we need to love the Muslims. We need to see that they come to Christ. You know, they're, they're in bondage and, and of, of this lie that the devil has, um, has told them, but we need to pray for the Muslim missionaries that are coming into Korea. 26,000 missionaries Korea is sending out into the world. Muslim nations are sending 40,000 missionaries into Korea because they know, they understand that Korea is the key and the gateway into Asia, you know. Those kebab places, those Turkish kebab places in Itaewon, <laughs> undercover, a lot of them, for Muslim missions here. You speak Turkish to them, they don't understand a word of Turkey, tur- uh, Turkish, you know, because it's all a front for what is happening right now in Korea. They actually have a plan to uh, evangelize the whole world, half of the world by the year 2050, They have a list of 10 objectives. Number seven on their list of objectives, objectives, we have to evangelize Korea. We have to send our missionaries into Korea. Muslim missionary comes to Korea, marries a Korean woman or a Korean man, $100,000 right off the bat. Their children become uh, uh, Muslims. Every child that comes after that, uh, every child that they uh, birth, $10,000 off the bat. 
support them. They have the money for it. They're building a brand new Muslim uh, university. Free tuition, guaranteed job for life. You know? And they have the power, they have the means to do that. And so just to be aware that wherever God is working, that Satan is working just as powerful. You know? And so we, we need to be beware of that. But, but it's also exciting of what God is doing here in this nation. You know? Last, I think it was December or January, my wife and I decided to visit Korea. We decided to stay here for a couple of weeks. Ended up being like, like six months, like going back and forth. Like it's almost a year now that we've been just been going back and forth. When I first came to Korea in 1999, I had one suitcase, and I thought, I'll be here for a week. Ended up being seven years, and I don't know what happened, you know. But I'm sure say, you guys have the same story. I'll visit Korea, yeah. My year, contract's a year. <laughs> what am I still doing here, you know, kind of thing. But, but there's a purpose why you're here, you know. Pastor Aaron shared about it last night. If, if, if you guys haven't been to joint prayer meeting yet, man, there's something powerful happening here in Korea, you know. And especially amongst young people. I first saw it when I actually visited this church a year ago, you know. We were visiting churches, and I got invited to speak at different places. And um, my wife and I were, uh, yeah, just, oh, let's visit New Philly today. Uh, I don't have anywhere to go today, so this is New Philly. <laughs> we, looked on the, we, we looked on the website, you know, oh, if you cross this little stream, go out over the bridge, it's right up the hill. <laughs> okay, that seems pretty easy enough, right? Nobody told me that you needed your mountain gear equipment and, and like spikes and all this other stuff, the walking sticks and everything else to actually get here, you know? And, and fortunately, that Sunday, they had all the sign holders. Thank, thank God for all the sign holders, you know, who are out there day and night. Man. If it weren't for them, wow. You know, if it weren't for them, we, we would still be out there somewhere you know, <laughs> trying to get up the hill, you know? My wife, I, I actually know this area pretty well because my wife used to live in this area when we used to date. And so I hated coming here, like, all the time. <laughs> There was one time we were coming up the hill, and um, I met my mother-in-law for the first time, and we were going up the hill, and I ran out of gas. <laughs> it was terrible. But anyways, yeah. But then we got here, and I was just so amazed at you guys and the number of young people just on fire and passionate for God. Worship was, was red hot, and, and so, you know, just felt the presence of God and the Spirit of God working in this place. We visited other churches, and we got to, we got to uh, share at other churches. Man, there was something powerful happening here in Korea. And, and uh, as my wife and I were talking about, we, I had a position with a, a pretty big church back in the States, and, and I, I went through a four-hour interview with the elders. And they liked me, and I liked them, and I thought things were going well until I saw the bulletin. And I was reading the bulletin, and it said something like, join us on Friday night uh, for bowling night, you know. And, and I go, hmm, okay, that's interesting. Saturday night, come out for lock-in, college group lock-in. We're going to have a great time. Come out, come out and, and uh, join your friends, and we'll have a great time. You know, something, something of that nature. And I was reading that, and something struck me inside, and I thought, man, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I want to I I make an impact on the I don't want to entertain people anymore. I don't want to have this consumer mentality. Come to my church, and we'll entertain you. Come to my church, and we'll feed you. Come to my church, and, and we'll show you a good time. I'm tired of that. And so that's why when God really spoke to my heart and said, you have to go to Korea. And so that's why we're here, and, and uh, we're doing this conference called G-Kim. And uh, the information is on here. Uh, Pastor Christian and Pastor Aaron will both be speaking at the G-Kim conference. And uh, originally, G- this is our sixth conference, uh, seventh conference. We've had six conferences in the States already. And um, uh, last year, we had it in Chicago. We had speakers like Lauren Cunningham and John Piper come. And, and um, uh, yeah, they will not be coming this time. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, just, just, to, just to set the bar high, you know. 
But we have Pastor Christian, Pastor Aaron coming. Amen. Yeah. Uh, so um, so uh, this is our seventh conference. This will be our seventh conference. And uh, uh, we had Matt Redman led, lead worship last year. We had, uh, we had Starfield led worship. John Newfeld uh, from Starfield, not here, uh, led worship. <laughs> You know, so it was, it was really powerful. It was really good. But then the leaders and, and, and I were talking about having a conference here in Korea because as of 2009, uh, as of 2009, there were, we passed the 1 million mark in terms of foreigners living here in Korea. Foreigners living here in Korea. 2011, 1.5 million foreigners living here in Korea now. You know, there's been a shift. There's, there, you know, I, I commend the young leaders like Pastor Christian, all young leaders all over the place that have really upped the ante and raised the level of English ministries here in Korea and for what God is doing in Korea. Because when we came back, you know, when I was doing English ministry, it was good, but it wasn't great. Okay? It was good. Yeah, you get together and you have fun with your friends and then you leave for home. Maybe you get married along the way and we send them back. You know? and that, that, was, that was all good. It was good. But we realized, I was, I was watching all these different English ministries and I was like, wow, what is God doing here? There's something exciting that God is raising up. You know, and, and that's what I want to share with you about a little bit today. But, um, but uh, yeah, just that um, it's, it's, it's a very uh, important and strategic time right now in the life of the church here in Korea. You know, um, there's so much thing, there's so many things happening in that spiritual atmosphere of everything that's going on here. And so this GKIM conference is happening at the end of the year. Our website uh, will be up. It's up, but it's not really operational functioning yet. But it will be within the next few days. And so if you could log on to it, uh, see, get more information about it. If you go to the next slide, please. Um, yeah, uh, the, the theme for our uh, conference comes from Isaiah chapter 43. Uh, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. And I believe that God is doing a new thing here in Korea and all over the world. You know, there's been a shift. There's been a global shift in the atmosphere, in the spiritual atmosphere of the whole world. And, and, and it's so awesome that God is raising up young people like yourselves to be part of that movement of what God is doing in the world. Okay? So if you go to the next slide, please. Um, yeah, this is just a, a, a picture, just to give you an idea. Uh, this is how McDonald's has reached the world. You know, this is a picture of how McDonald's has reached the world. And how we, uh, how God is also raising up people like yourselves to go out and to go into p- places where there's unreached, unengaged people groups. And that's what GKIM is all about. If you go to the next slide, please. Um, if you look at that little circle, um, there are more people who are living inside that circle than all the rest of the world combined. You know? And so you guys are living in a very, very st- strategic and, and very important place. We're living on this little pinky you know, that God has formed, you know, the whole Asia, big continent, not even the size of my pinky, but like half of my pinky, you know? And, and we're living on this little peninsula, and how much influence that God is, you know, God in his strategic mindset has, has set this little peninsula like a springboard into the rest of Asia. An hour away, two hours away, we could go to almost any country in all of Asia. Okay? So God is doing something, God is moving. Um, there, there, there's a, this is a very, very special time, and... and um, I'm so blessed and honored to be part of what God is doing. And we've been praying for this for years. We've been praying for people like yourselves to catch that fire, catch that passion for God. And so many people come here to Korea, and Korea is so much easier to live here than seven years ago, right? Oh, man, people come here now, and they're like, 10 years ago, it was hard to live here. Some of you guys remember 10 years ago, how hard it was, you know? Now people are, you know, things are a little bit better, things are a little bit easier. Oh, it's, 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 it's great to live here now, right? Um, and so, you know, God is bringing a, uh, a there, there's so much happening right now in Asia. There are more Christians in 
China now, um, in China, than all of Europe combined. You know? um, I shared this uh, at uh, last uh, uh, joint prayer meeting that Stephen Douglas, the president of Campus Crusade for Christ, says that if we're obedient and serious about the Great Commission, you know, Matthew chapter 24 says that every people group, every ethnic group will, hear the, uh, will receive the gospel and then the end will come. Within our lifetime, within a 10-year period, he said, that when we're serious about the gospel and reaching every unengaged, unreached people group, that within our lifetime, we could reach every single people group in the whole world. This is where you guys say amen. Amen. (laughs) Just just making sure. There's something powerful happening right now in in the atmosphere. And so I just want you guys to be aware of what's what's going on here. And... um, yeah, and, and uh, to, uh, join in the GKIM. More than a conference, more than just the three-day event, uh, we want to create a movement that will happen here in Korea okay, amongst, amongst people like yourselves. We want to create a movement where people will come together, churches will come join hands, and we'll be able to serve together um, the purposes of God's kingdom in our generation. Okay. And so with that, uh, that's my kind of, oh, I, have, I come bearing gifts. Um, I have pens that I want to give out, yeah. So it's just, uh, it's no big deal. They're, they're, they're cheap pens. <laughs> and they break and they, they explode. So, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, they're, they're right under my uh, chair. I forgot to hand them out. If we could just pass them around, that'd be great. Uh, starting from front row, yeah. So you guys, that's the lesson is that sit in the front and you get more blessing. Right? So, uh, this is where all the, the, all the blessing comes. And so, yeah. Uh, so it has our website and everything. We have a Facebook page as well, and so just be aware of it. And so uh, join us uh, in this GKIM movement. GKIM actually originally stood for Global Korean Young Adult Missions. And then when they um, originally asked me to come on board, I said, unless you change that K to kingdom, I refuse to come on board. You know? And so they said, okay. And then I asked them, could you change the young adult too? Because I'm not young anymore. You know? That doesn't include me. Like, oh, we have to change at least, you know, little by little. And so next year, we'll, we'll change the why to something else. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but, but, but that's the deal. And so, yeah, they're different colors, but the ink is all the same color. So <laughs> I don't know why they did that. <laughs> uh, if you go to the next slide, please. I think uh, that's, that's it. Uh, yeah, uh, December 26th to 28th. Uh, next slide, please. Um, yeah, next slide, please. Uh, those are some of the speakers that are coming. Uh, next slide, please. And I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go into God's word right now. Okay. And so uh, let's, uh, let's pray together as we, uh, as we uh, jump into God's word. Holy Spirit. We need your presence here um, this afternoon to lead us and guide us. We pray that your spirit would illuminate our hearts. Help us, God, to hear what you're having to uh, want us to hear um, today. God, uh, bless your servant. Open up our hearts. God, to hear your voice, to be sensitive to your leading today. We thank you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Our scripture reading today comes from Psalm chapter 78. We're going to be reading three verses together. Psalm chapter 78. And we're going to be reading from verses 70 to 72, okay? Verses 70 to 72. I'm just so honored. As I look around, I'm so honored to be part of this uh, community. Uh, I'm a good friend of Sam Eapins. Some of you guys might remember him, Pastor Sam Eapin. 
He's a, he's a good friend of mine. We, we, we met here in Korea, and then we served together in Chicago uh, for, for a while. And um, when he was here, I told him, you got to stay here. Don't leave for anybody else, else and stay here at JSM. When, you know, things were, when people were leaving for other churches and stuff, I told him, stay here and hold the fort. And I think he prayed about it for a long time, and he went through a really tough time. He stayed. And uh, he blamed me later. Why did you make me stay? But then, but then it was really good later. So he says hello. I told him that I'll, I'll be sharing at his old church. So you guys, uh, some of you guys might remember him, uh, uh, Sam Eepin. Um Yeah, somebody read, uh, somebody read for us uh, Psalm chapter 78, verses 70 to 72 in a loud, clear voice so that everybody could hear it, please. Let's all stand together. You've been sitting there for a long time. Let's all stand together. And uh, honor, uh, to honor and to revere God's, uh, God's word. Why don't we read it together in one loud voice, okay? Psalm chapter 78. Whatever version you have, just try to read it clearly, loudly, all together. Ready? Shijak. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen and Amen. Please be seated. Like I've been saying, God is raising up an army here in Korea. You know, the purpose of the passion for God and the worship for God and all these things that are happening is not so that you could feel good and go home and fight. Be like, wow, that was a great night. That was a great message. That was a great worship. There's something greater going beyond here in Korea that God is preparing us for in the next, uh, for in the next steps. You know? And I'm so blessed to see so many people like yourselves uh, so on fire for God. God is raising up an army of mighty warriors. I know that's part of your mission statement. It's on your bulletin. It's, it's on your website. That God is raising up an army, a generation of mighty warriors for this season. And God is raising up and training a new army. Second Corinthians chapter two, verse three, four. Paul talks about that we share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Okay. Judges chapter three. I was reading this uh, a few months back, and in Judges chapter three, it actually says this is the Josh- generation after Joshua. And it says that the generation of Joshua, after Joshua, had forgotten how to fight. They had forgotten how to fight. And God brought them into battle to train them once again. Okay. And so that's what I want to talk about a little bit this, uh, this afternoon. Because this is a psalm of instruction, and God is raising up this army, and God is training up His army for His greater purposes. And this was a warning in, uh, in this psalm to Israel not to repeat the sins of the past. This is a historical psalm. It goes through the history of Israel and all the things that they've been through. And it finally ends with the time of David. Okay? And um, uh, the greatest sin of the Israelites was not um, worshiping the uh, idols and all these other kind of things, intermarrying and all these kind of things, which, which, which were bad. But I think the greatest sin of the Israelites was their forgetfulness. They forgot the acts of God. They forgot his faithfulness. They forgot, forgot his goodness. They forgot his decrees. They forgot his laws. They, for, they fail to remember um, the, the works of God from the past. Okay? Uh, and so they kept falling away from God. Okay? Um, and they failed to remember his deeds. Okay? So, so Psalms chapter 78 goes through this brief history of Israel and finally ends with these ending verses which focuses on the life of David, the king of Israel, a mighty warrior. Okay? He was an amazing leader. And uh, it goes to show that leaders aren't just born leaders. You don't just wake up one day and say, he's really a great leader. But God trains people in leadership. God brings up people in leadership. Okay? Um, it took God time 
to train him, to be used by him. And often, before God uses us for greater purposes, he needs to train us, he needs to break us, he needs to humble us in preparation for the greater works that he's about to do. Okay? And so a few things that I want to glean from this passage um, about how God trains his people, okay? how God trains his army. Okay? And so a few points I want to go. If you go to the next slide, please. Uh, the first point I want to uh, make is that God trains his servants in solitude. Everyone say solitude. God trains his servants in solitude. In verse 70, it says, He chose David, his servant, took him from the sheep pens. Okay? David's the youngest of all his brothers. Okay? Nobody wanted to deal with the sheep. You know, if, I actually did a sermon a series on sheep uh, a few years back, and I actually went to a farm to kind of meditate on sheep. You know? <laughs> if, you ever t- if you ever look at sheep, if you ever, you know, in church circles, we think, oh, sheep are just cute, cuddly animals. And you pet them, you see Jesus in the fields and, you know, the river and pet with the sheep in his, you know. If you ever actually uh, in, are in the presence of sheep, they're dirty, mangy animals. They're just, anyone from New Zealand here? I know there's more, 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 uh, more sheep in New Zealand than people, right? But sheep are just mangy, dirty animals. You know, people think that when they ba, it's like, ba, so nice. But when you hear the ba, it's actually nasty. The ba! It's like a huge burp, right? It's just nasty. And so nobody, they smell. You know, people think that they have a nice, soft kind of wool. But it, you, you put your fingers, you can't take it out again, you know? It's just nasty. You know, and they have this, this wiry, and, and, and nobody, and they're, they're just really smelly, dirty, mangy animals, you know? And so... Here's David, the youngest of all the brothers. The first brother's like, well, I don't want to take care of him. You take care of him. The next guy goes, okay, I don't want to take care of him. You take care of him. He passes it on, passes it on. Finally, David's the youngest out of the group. And he goes, well, you take it. And he looks and there's nobody there. And so he's left taking care of the sheep. And he takes them out into the wilderness. You know? And he's taking care of his sheep. And uh, he took the job that nobody wa- wanted because it was passed down to him. And shepherding's hard work. You know, day after day, led into the wilderness. Now, the word sheep pens is actually the word Hebrew, in Hebrew is, is the word flocks. So he takes his flocks out into the wilderness. Okay? The point I want to make here is that before God uses anyone in a mighty way, he brings them into the wilderness experience. Okay? It's an important theme throughout the Bible. It's a common bond that every leader, every great leader share, uh, is, that, is that they share time in the wilderness, in the desert. Somebody once said, don't ever trust a person who doesn't walk without a limp. Because it's in that wilderness that we find God, that we are able to trust in God. We're able to know who God is on a deeper level. Before God uses you greatly, he will break you deeply. I think many of us have been there in that wilderness experience. Alone and stripped away of all of our crutches and all the things that we trust in, all the things that we believe in. Everything that we've hung on to for years and years and years. And it's in the midst of that hardship and brokenness of our lives that we find God. In that place of being utterly alone and afraid and weak. To make us realize that without Him, that we're absolutely nothing. To be able to place our trust in Him alone. And if you haven't been there yet, I believe, I trust that God will bring you through it. That season... Where he says, takes away and breaks you and, and takes away all the things that you trust and all the different idols in your life. And there's nobody left except God himself. And you need to prepare for it now. Prepare for it in your own personal time. Prepare for it in your own, in your own prayer time. 
And this wilderness theme is witnessed in the lives of Moses and Abraham and Elijah. All experienced the wilderness. The hardships of life, wherever they realized God's... uh, It's it's the place that they realized God's faithfulness. Where God became an existential reality. Where it wasn't just a Bible study or a Sunday school lesson. But it became a reality in their lives. Where where, where John the Baptist in the New Testament was a voice calling out in the wilderness. Paul himself was saved on the road to Damascus. And you look at the life of Jesus himself. You know, he had that uh, incredible moment where the skies of heaven opened and and God's voice came down and says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And 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 the Holy Spirit came down upon him. And it says immediately afterwards, immediately afterwards, he was sent out into the wilderness. People think, oh, wow, God, you received this great gift. You received this great blessing. Now everything's going to be great. You go out and do miracles and preach the word. Immediately, he was sent out into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil 40 days and 40 nights. By definition, the desert cannot support physical human life. And it's the only reason why the Israelites didn't die in the wilderness was because of God's miraculous provision. God cared for them. God provided for them. The cloud in the day, the pillar of fire at night, the manna, the doves, everything else. And it's here alone in the wilderness that David faced the wild animals, the harsh weather conditions, even the sheep stealers. And it's hard. And sometimes you're like, wow, God, why? God, why is this happening to me? But God trains his people in solitude. Embrace your wilderness experience. It's God's precious gift to you. Don't waste this valuable time. You know, it's, it's, it's the cross that you were meant to bear. Nobody else was able to bear this cross except you. It was a custom-made cross just for you. And you're like, God, it's too heavy or it's too big. God says, I made it especially for you because I trust you. And I know you could pull it. I know you could, I know you could carry it. It's like when I was, um, when I was in uh, high school, my soccer coach t- gave me an assignment. He says, this is your assignment. This is what you need to do. Carry it out. Something that only you could do. You have a custom-made cross that was especially meant for you to carry. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says that no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. But God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. God, has this, God, God will support you through the wilderness. He will provide for you through the wilderness. And perhaps some of you are going through that wilderness experience now. It's in, that, in the midst of that turmoil, that loneliness, that solitude, stripped away of all of our crutches and things that we depend on, that God teaches you to trust in Him. God trains us in solitude. And between the promise and the promised land, there's always a wilderness. You might have heard all these you know, prophetic words spoken over you. God's going to bless you and all these great things are hap- going to happen. Between the promise and the promised land, there's always a wilderness. And even if you've never been there, prepare for it because it will come. It's God's incubator within which he's cultivating a deeper intimacy with you and a love for you, that, a love, with, love relationship with you that you've never experienced before. It's in that wilderness that you're able to cling to God, you're able to seek Him, that you're able to dig deeper into Him. Embrace the solitude and let God mold you through the wilderness life of your journey. Because profound reliance on Him starts with a deep encounter with Him. And with God, it's a faith walk, taking one step at a time. 
And God's saying, lean on me as much as you can. It's not a path of continual success, but of multiple failures. And um, in the wilderness, you don't realize God is all you need until God is all you, God is all you have. Okay. I love what uh, Paul had to say to Timothy um, when he was struggling in, in, in 1 Timothy um, chapter 1. Uh, Paul uh, writes to Timothy. And, uh, you know, Timothy's going through incredible persecution. He's going through incredible hardship with his, with his church people. There's fighting. There's division. There's, there's hip, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of cults that are trying to break into the church. There's spiritual warfare going on. Paul could have very well said, well, why don't you leave that church? Forget about them. Go to an easier place. Go to a more comfortable place. Go to a better place. I have a better position over in Ephesus, you know. They're, they're really on. Or go to, go to a Thessalonica. I have a, they're on fire for God. Go to Philippi. Man, there's some stuff happening in Philippi. He could have very well said that. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, stay in Ephesus. Remain there. Fight the good fight of the faith. I know, especially here in Korea, it's, a hard, it's hard for a lot of you guys. It's, it's really hard to... I know, even, even as much as things have changed in the past seven years, in the past ten years, I know it's very hard to transition into a country like this. Remember 10 years, uh, 14 years ago when I first came into Korea? Man, I got spiritual attacks like crazy, you know? I was, every morning I was doing my quiet time, I was praying, and this guy would go by my uh, window and go, Satan! <laughs> Satan! I was like, what the heck? You know, what, what in the world is <laughs> Satan! <laughs> Satan! And the next morning, Satan! Pray harder. Ah, you know, Holy Spirit cast out demons, all this kind of stuff. Realized it was a laundry guy. Seta! Seta! What is this? Every morning, during my quiet time, spiritual attacks. Remember going to Burger King? I couldn't even order a Whopper, you know? Burger King's from America, you know? You know the worst thing about Burger King? They have the microphones, and when you walk in, I'm gonna say, Burger King, you know? <laughs> Sorry, I thought it was McDonald's, you know? <laughs> and, and, and you walk, and they scream at you, and you get all nervous. Uh, uh, Whopper said, Hana, diet cola juiceo, you know? And, 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 and they have no idea what you're saying, you know? Whopper said to, and you practice it and practice it. Man, it's, it's hard transitioning, you know? Oh, so, many, uh, so many stories, but they're popping up my head. I, I got to go on. One more, one more. <laughs> my brother and I, my brother and I used to live together while we were here. And um, he was too embarrassed to go into the sauna, you know, back then, you know. So he wore his swimming trunks. Right? <laughs> we walked in and, and everyone kept looking at us, you know, because he was wearing his swimming trunks. I didn't care. I was like, oh, you know, all guys. And, and then they kept calling him over. They realized that he, they thought that he was the, the scrub guy, you know. <laughs> Keep calling him over. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> and 
And, and I know I joke about it, but I could laugh about it now. But I know a lot of you guys, like, like we shared last night at the joint prayer meeting, you come to Korea and many of you guys got hurt by a lot of the things that people have said to you, spoken over you, a lot of experiences that you've had. You know, uh, racism, outright racism, race, ra- racial profiling, and so, and so on and so forth. But it's in that hardship, it's in that wilderness that we let go of all these other things. We say, God, you alone. God, you alone. God, I could only worship you alone. You know, yeah. Coming up here is like, it's like you know, man, it's like, it's, that's why so many of you guys are in good shape. It's because you guys are walking up this hill like every week, right? <laughs> I went to the E2 on campus a couple times. I went to the front desk, uh, the, the Ajishi, you know, I was like, where's the elevator? He's like, looked at me, he's like, there's no elevator here. <laughs> you walk up to the fifth floor, right? I wasn't used to that. You go into a room and feel like this and people are on fire for God. I was so used to America where everyone's like, oh, you know, I, I missed you in church this past week. Where were you? There was a Bears game on, Pastor. Oh, you have to understand Bears game. I called one of my leaders. We missed you Sunday. You know, what, what happened? Was there, is everything okay? Oh, my dog was sick and so I had to stay home and take care. I'm like, what? There's, there's, there's people walking, you know, uphill five miles to get to church. <laughs> You know, and you guys, you're, you're worried about your dog? People walking five flights of stairs to get to Itaewon, you know? And even to Itaewon, the, the thing says, oh, uh, your, 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 what's 10-minute walk in the, on the internet, you know, it's 10-minute walk down the street. Yeah, right! <laughs> <laughs> if you're walking, power walking, <laughs> running. <laughs> 10 minutes. Let's move on. Uh, second point. Second point. Uh, second point. God trains his servants in obscurity. Everyone say obscurity. obscurity. We said that God trains his servants, uh, God trains his soldiers in the wilderness. God trains his uh, servants in obscurity. Okay, in obscurity. Okay, and when you look at verse 71, it says, From tending the sheep, he, talking about God, brought David to be shepherd of his people, Jacob of Israel, his inheritance. And so David was trained away from the public eye, away from the popularity, away from the limelight. And David was trained uh, to be faithful when nobody was watching. There's nobody around to pat him on the back. Nobody's saying, you're doing a great job. Okay? And it's here that his motives became purified. And these same principles for taking care of sheep was a simple step over to taking care of people, to having compassion on people. And it wasn't that much of a jump to take care of sheep to taking care of people because sheep and people are pretty much alike. You know? Actually, when you think about it, sheep are pretty dumb animals. You know? Sheep are pretty dumb animals. Sheep, um, you know, they, they, I, I, was, I was talking to these farmers about sheep. They say that you have to be very careful because if it's raining and a sheep, one sheep looks up, every, all those sheep will look up. And this rain's coming down and they'll drown and they don't even know it. You know, they'll all, they'll all die if the shepherd's not... You know, you go into the wilderness and you know that there's wild, wild horses, wild dogs, wild animals, you know, wild, even wild turkeys. But you ever see a wild sheep? You ever see a sheep go, bah, you know, out in the wilderness? No, because if a sheep goes into the wilderness, what happens? It dies. Okay, it will die. And that's why David's role was so important. He was taking care of these sheep day after day, night after night, making sure that they don't die. And it's here that God trained him, okay? Because sheep are dumb, and they're forgetful, and they're in need of a a shepherd, okay? And Jesus himself says, I am the good shepherd. 
And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Okay? And it was here in obscurity that God trained David how to become a good soldier. How to become a good leader. How to love his sheep and have compassion on the weak. And to care for his sheep who ran away. To be faithful and he, he did his very best even when nobody was watching. Okay? In secret. And it's here in that place of obscurity that we learn how to know God deeper. To grow in deeper intimacy with Him. Okay? When there is no public prayer meeting. When there is nobody else to push you on. When there is no uh, community there. You know, in obscurity. Nobody else is patting you on the back. Nobody is saying, great job, you, you did your quiet time this morning. And it's here in this place of obscurity that we learn to know God deeper and to grow in intimacy with Him. It comes from the secret place, away from the public eye, in your private time of worship. And my prayer for this generation is that God would ignite our hearts with deeper passion for Him. Okay? And to do your best in everyday task that God sends your way. Live a life worthy of His call for you. Because when God called us, He didn't call us to be successful, but He called us to be obedient. And God is more interested in the size of your heart than the size of your ministry. And I find that so many in this generation are pursuing the comfortable life. You know? It's actually possible to know about God but to be practical atheists. Yeah, the word Christian, you know, I've shared this before, that the word Christian is only used four times in the whole Bible. In the whole New Testament, the word Christian is only used in a very derogatory form when it talks about... Um, when it talks about, it literally means those little Christ, those little Jesuses. Okay? And it's a very derogatory term that's used, that was used by the Roman government, talking about Christians. Four times in the whole New Testament. The word disciple is used over 266 times. Okay? In terms of, in, in, in defining followers of Christ, fully devoted followers of Christ. And so many of us, you know, especially Korea is a transition stage for so many of us. Oh, I'm just here for a temporary time. I'm just here until my, I get a real job. I'm just here until, you know, I get married or blah, blah, blah. You know, this is, and you're thinking, what's God's will for my life? Especially at your, many of your age, you're thinking, what's God's for my life, you know, five years down the road, ten years down the road? What's God's will for, will for my life in the future? And we talk about God's will for our lives over and over, but use it as an excuse not to obey God today. And Francis Chan actually says, what is God's will for my life right here, right now, in this moment? You are in God's plan. Okay? That's God's purpose for your life right now, to be in it. Not to think about five years down the road or what God wants me to do ten years down the road. But right now, right here, you are in God's plan. And serve faithfully where you are. Because so often, God's future plan for our lives become, become an excuse not to obey Him today. And so your future is a combination of the little steps, the little habits, the small disciplines, the work ethic that you do now. Okay. Do well in your classes, study hard, you know, practice diligently, build good relationships, develop good social skills. So, what, you know, so many of us want that magic doorway, you know, that magic doorway that will open and suddenly, boom, everything changes and poof. But the Christian life is a series of slow little steps, a journey taken daily. And scripture calls us to walk these little steps every day. The third thing that we see in this passage is that God trains his people in monotony. Everyone say monotony. 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 God trains his people in monotony. And in verse 72, it says, And David shepherded them with integrity of heart, and with skillful hands, he led them. Okay? So when I look at this passage, two things jump off the page immediately at, at, at me. Okay? Number one, he says, Integrity of heart 
and skillful hands. Okay? And neither of these things are things that you're born with. You don't pop out of your mom's belly and say, oh, skillful hands, integrity of heart. Okay? But these are things that need to be practiced. They need to be worked on. Okay? When he talks about integrity of heart, it's talking about character. Okay? Character is, you know, Dwight Moody said that character is who you are in the dark. When nobody is watching, away from the public eye. Okay? It comes from the Latin word inta, which actually means one. We get words like integrate, integer. Integrate, actual, inter, inter, integrity is actually a word that means fullness, completeness. Okay? It means complete oneness in your public life and your private life. Who you are on Sunday afternoon when you're worshiping God is the same person that you are Monday through Friday during the week. Okay? In your private life. Nobody else is watching. Monotony. Day after day. Week after week. Month after month. Practicing character. Godly character. Okay? Does your private life match your public life? Is there continuity? Is there consistency between who you are on Sunday afternoon and the rest of the week? Okay? Several years ago, I had the privilege of meeting my father's pastor. He was uh, over 70 years old then. Uh, he was mi- in ministry for over 50 years. And he left a deep impression on me. And I was kind of a young pastor then, and I was just starting off. And he said, you know, in the first five years of your ministry, people will come because they like your message, because you're a good talker. But after five years, they've heard the same illustrations. They've heard the same sermons. After five years, they'll come back not because of your message, but because of your character. Because they'll see who you are inside out. They'll see, watch your life. They'll know your personality. They know how you react to, to stress. They know how you, uh, uh, they know how you uh, decide certain things and so on and so forth. And as time passes, people will be blessed through your integrity and the way you live your life rather than just words coming out of your mouth. My mantra has always been watch your thoughts because they become your actions. Watch your actions because they become your habits. Watch your habits because they become your character. Watch your character because that becomes your destiny. Okay? To live a life monotony, day after day, practicing your character, building your character. And it takes time to build your reputation. But it takes a lifetime. It takes a day, actually, to build your reputation. It takes a lifetime to build Christ-like character. It's exciting to change the world. But it's kind of ugly when you have to take a look at yourself and change yourself. It also says, with skillful hands, he led his people. Okay? It was in the wilderness, watching the sheep, day after day, night after night, month after month. What was he doing all day? You know, in the age when they didn't have, you know, the, the smartphones or games or anything else, you know, internet, whatever. What was he doing out there? Day after day. Time to walk. You know that Dunkin' Donuts commercial years ago? Time to make the donuts. You know, and they go, okay, you guys are maybe too young. Like, oh, oh man. Yeah, you guys are young. <laughs> Time to make the donuts. And, um, and he goes out every day making the donuts. Anyways, David, every day, went out. Time to watch the sheep. And he goes out. What does he do all day? Well, the first thing he does is practice his slingshot. You know? It wasn't the slingshot that you pull back and you go, pshoom, it was one of these um, leather kind of strap things. And you flip around. Shoo, 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 pew, and he lets one side of it go and it flies out. You know? After a while, he got pretty good at it. Wild animals would come and try to take away his sheep. Shoo, 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 pew, you know? shoo, 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 pew, day after day, night after night, until he became a professional slingshot thrower or whatever you call it. <laughs> you know? Professional. Shoo, 
day after day, night after night. All alone in the wilderness. I want a girlfriend. I have nobody out here. What am I doing out here? Started playing his music. Started practicing his lyre. Day after day. I'm sure he wrote love songs too. You know, oh, I'm so lonely. And, you know, <laughs> writing these love. He's a guy, you know, and out there day after day. And that's where the meditation on God started. That's where his deeper sense of God's presence began to uh, overcome and overwhelm his life. That's when he started to become very skilled technically as a musician. You know, little steps day after day added up to these big steps that God would use later on. As he was invited into Saul's throne room to play music to ease the soul of a distraught king. He wrote amazing psalms and wrote most of the uh, psalms of the Old Testament. You know? Slingshot was used to kill Goliath, the, the Philistine, and to pave the way for him to become king over all of Israel. I'm sure that when he was practicing all that, when he was doing that, I'm sure that it never occurred in his mind that he would one day become the king of Israel. But it was just something that he did day after day. Week after week, month after month. Joint prayer meeting for the past five years? What? Are you making any difference? What, doing your quiet time and, go, and, and doing these small groups? Week after week, day after day? What? You know, practicing your Korean? You know? Uh, why, why, why are you doing this? You know, and sometimes you might think, why, what, what's the purpose behind all these things that we're doing day after day? We don't see the big picture right now. But God sees the bigger picture. God knows how to use that thing that you're dealing with. How, that, how to use that thing that you're developing. I believe in excellence in ministry. Whether it be music or sports or your job or whatever we do. We need to do it with excellence. Because we serve an excellent God. Okay? You know, uh, even learning Korean. I wish there was some magic anointing or somebody, you know, prayed over you. <laughs> I actually had somebody, I was praying over them. And... A Mongolian girl, and she started speaking in tongues in Korean. You know, she started worshiping God in Korean. I was praying over her. I was like, when did you learn Korean? I never learned Korean. What? What? And she was worshiping God. And my wife was there, and she was freaked out too because she understood. And I'm like, what she said? I thought she was speaking in tongues. My wife's like, she's praying, she's, she's praising in Korean. I was like, wow, this is crazy. I wish somebody would just, you know, ah, you know, and preach in Korean. <laughs> 99.9% of the time, it doesn't work like that. And some of us, you know, 10 years ago, as an English speaker, you know, it was like, wow, you speak English. Uh, say, say, helicopter. Helicopter. You know, helicopter. Wow. You know. <laughs> say, say, uh, uh, apartment. 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 Oh, wow. You know, people freaked out. This was 10 years ago. These days, you know, things have changed. Everybody speaks English. You're an English speaker, no big deal. On the other side, if you don't speak Korean, you're an idiot. That's how people look at you, like me. You know? I, I, I joke with some of you guys before, and if you know three languages, what are you? Trilingual? If you know two languages, what are you? Bilingual? If you know one language? American, yeah. You might not think it's a big deal, right? I, I was just talking with uh, uh, Bernard, Bernadice on the, on the shuttle over, and she spoke beautiful Korean. I was shocked. How long have you been here? Only seven months. What? And she spoke Korean. You know, I, I thought she was like, wow, you know? Actually, I don't know if you saw this, but next year, if you want to marry a Korean native, you have to pass a Korean 
uh, ex- uh, proficiency exam. You guys read this? If you're thinking about marrying a Korean native, okay, guy, you have to pass a Korean proficiency exam. So if there's any motivation to learn Korean, that's it. <laughs> ah. But, so God trains us in the wilderness. God trains us in solitude. God trains us in obscurity. God trains us to be skillful people in monotony. Okay? You might think that day after day, what am I doing here? What, what's going on here? But there's a bigger picture. I had so much to share today, but Pastor Aaron shared everything last night that I wanted to share with you guys. So I had to be like, last night I went home and I thought, okay, I'll change everything. You know? but, but if you guys weren't there yesterday, get the, get the podcast or whatever, because it was awesome. It was great. I was like, wow, this is everything I wanted to share and it's from, from my heart. But I just kind of shifted things a little bit. But if we, look at, if we take an honest look at ourselves, we constantly fail. We complain, even in the wilderness. There's times that I've been in the wilderness that I've just shook my fist at God, and I said, God, what are you doing? I thought you loved me. I thought you cared for me, and, and you're giving me this? God, why are you doing this to me? And I complain, and I, and I, and I yelled out at God. I, I, I wasted my time in the wilderness so oftentimes. So oftentimes, in, you know, we, we look at all the things that God has uh, given us in, in, in terms of what He wants us to do, and we fail. We constantly fail in our skill, in our integrity. And here's where we see the gospel. Here's where we see the gospel because that's why God sent Jesus who not only showed an example but passed every test for us. We had to be, Jesus himself had to be trained in solitude. Brought into the wilderness, tempted by Satan 40 days and 40 nights. He constantly went out into the wilderness to pray. In obscurity, for 30 years, we don't know what happened in his life. For 30 years, nobody knew about him or his mission. And very little is written about Jesus' early years. In Isaiah 53, it says that he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should, uh, that we should desire him. Okay. Monotony, for 20 years, trained as a carpenter. I'm sure that every time he picked up his hammer, every time he nailed in a nail, that he was thinking about the cross. He was thinking about the death that he had to die one of these days. He was thinking about you and me. And that every time he nailed that hammer as a carpenter, that it prepared him for what was to come in the years ahead. And as he thought about his own future and the death on the cross. And as soldiers, we fail. And we're constantly messing up. In the wilderness, we complain. In the testing, we fail. But we know that Jesus was the ultimate soldier and example. And our confidence before God doesn't come from who we are or what we've done, but from who he is and what he has accomplished on our behalf. He's already performed everything for us. He's given us the grade before we ever even took the test. And it's never about recommitting our lives to Christ, but surrendering, surrendering to Jesus' eternal commitment to us. His reckless, eternal grace is our greatest hope. So my challenge to us is to be faithful in the little things, even when no one is watching. Because God is preparing you for the bigger stuff. Your day will come. Let Him enlarge in your territory. Because when he trusts you with a little plot of land that he's given you, he'll enlarge your territory. Do your very best in the everyday tasks that God sends your way. For you, those of you guys who are teachers, don't just wing it. Don't just think, oh, I could just wing it. I know English, you know. But prepare. Be a good teacher. You know, do well in, in your classes. Practice your social... You know, I, I tell this to a lot of the young people. Practice your social skills. Social skills isn't just something that you're born with. It doesn't come passively. But it's something that you need to deal with every day, work on every day. How to deal with people. How to deal with hard people. You know, 
Every, every circle has that Bob. You, know, you guys know Bob, right? Everybody's annoyed. If you don't know Bob, you're that Bob. <laughs> Practice your social skills. Because God is raising up an army. I'll, I'll close with this. I know they give me the five-minute uh, mark like ten minutes ago, and so I'm going to close with this. I'll close with this story, and, and, and we'll pray. Um, and and um, actually, before we pray, I want to share. I want to share. Uh, the, the worship team is going to share a song, and, and uh, there's a particular significance to this song that we're about to close with. Okay, this um, this is one of my favorite stories, and it's about a it's about a man who was sleeping at night in his cabin, and suddenly the Lord appeared to him, and he had a job for this man to do. And the room filled with light, and the Savior appeared, and the Lord told the man that, uh, that his job was to go out, and he showed them this huge rock. He showed them this huge rock, and he says, your job is to push against this rock, okay, um, and, 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 and with all of your might. And this the man did, he did day after day, okay, night after night, pushed against this uh, rock. And for many years, he toiled from sun up to sundown. His shoulders set squarely against this cold, massive surface of this unmoving rock pushing with all of his might. And each night, the man returned to his cabin, sore and worn out, feeling that the whole day had been spent in vain. And seeing that the man was showing signs of discouragement, um, the Satan, the adversary, decided to enter the picture and began placing these thoughts in his head. What are you doing here? You've been pushing against this rock for a long time, and you've been doing this work that God has told you to do, and it hasn't even budged an inch. Why kill yourself over this? You're never going to move it. Thus giving the man the impression that the task was impossible and that he was a failure. And these thoughts discouraged him and disheartened him. Why am I killing myself over this? I'll just put in my time, give my minimum effort, and that'll be good enough. Let's just kind of live comfortably for a while. Let's just put it on cruise control for a while. And this is what he planned to do until one day he decided to pray about this matter. Okay? Uh, and he took it to his troubled thoughts to the Lord and he says, Lord... I've labored long and hard in, in your service, putting all my strength in what you've asked me to do. And yet, after all this time, I've not even budged this rock half a millimeter. But did I do something wrong? Am I, am I being disobedient? What's wrong? Why, why am I failing? And the Lord responded compassionately, my, my son, when I asked you to serve me and you accepted, I told you that your task was to push against the rock with all of your strength, which you have done. Never once did I mention to you that I expected you to move it. Your task was simply to push. And now you've come to me with your strength spent thinking that you failed, but is that really so? Take a look at yourself. Your arms are strong and muscled. Your back is sinewed and brown, and your hands are callous from the constant pressure, and your legs have become massive and hard. Through opposition, you've grown much, and your abilities now surpass that which you used to have. And yet you haven't moved the rock. But your calling was to be obedient and to push and to exercise your faith and to trust in my wisdom. This you have done. And now, my friend, I will move the rock. And for many of us who are going in through the motions, the day in and day out, and thinking, why am I doing this? Why did God call me here? What am I doing in Korea? Why am I doing this day after day? You might not see the change in the situation, but God sees the change in you. 
And God is transitioning you for greater purposes and greater destiny. I love this. You know, I, this is an old, old song that we're about to sing. It's, uh, I'm going to ask, ask the worship team to come up right now. Um, it's an old, old song. I actually asked our, our sister yesterday, do you know this song? And she said she never heard it. So this is an old, old song that we sang like years ago. And we sang and we prayed into this song for years and years and years. And part of the words of this song says, raise up a chosen generation that will march through the land. Okay, do you guys know the song, this song, Father of Creation? Some of you guys know it, okay? Some of you guys, younger people might say, wow, it's a new song. It's not a new song, but it's like new old song, okay? So that kind of thing. <laughs> Father of creation, unfold your sovereign plan. This is my prayer. This has been my prayer and, and the prayer of so many pastors and leaders and, and saints who have gone before you. Father of creation, unfold your sovereign plan. Raise up a chosen generation. That will march through the land. All of creation is longing for your unveiling of power. Would you release your anointing, O God? Let this be the hour. And the second verse goes something similar to it. It says, says, Ruler of the nations, the world has yet to see the full release of your promise, the church in victory. Turn to us, Lord, and touch us. Make us strong in your might. Overcome our weakness that we could stand up and fight. And we've been praying for this for many, many years. We've been, praying, uh, we've been praying into this song for many, many years. And I remember years ago when we were, you know, uh, worshiping together and, and here in Korea, this was the song of our hearts. God, that you would raise up this generation for your purposes, for your destiny. God, raise up these young people, raise up this generation, God, for the greater works that you have planned for them to do. I'm so encouraged by you guys because there's such a hunger for God in, in so many groups like this all over Korea. That hunger started from God Himself. God put that hunger in your heart so that you would seek Him more. That you would dwell deeper into His love and intimacy, deeper into intimacy with Him. It's not just so that you could hang on to this, have a great feeling and go home and that's it. And talk about and put it on Twitter or Facebook and say, wow, what a great worship service. It's not it. But God is creating something better. God is, God is in planning a greater purpose for this nation, for each of you. Don't ever think that your coming here was an accident or a mistake. That's somehow a coincidence that you got here. But there's a greater purpose of what God is doing here. And so uh, if you know the song, just uh, pray into it. Just uh, sing it together with us. And um, uh, if you don't know it, maybe you could follow along and, and just catch on, catch on as we go along. But I'm going to ask the worship team to kind of uh, uh, lead, us, lead us in worship through this song.